Hi, Satellite Sisters. We're excited to announce our new weekly newsletter, Pep Talk. That's right. It's happening. A little pep talk in your inbox on Fridays. Every issue will be short and sweet with podcast highlights, our recommendations for books, TVs, and films that are going to keep you entertained, plus recipes and other, you know, tidbits. And of course, there'll be a little pep talk because we all need that right now, don't we? It's the perfect newsletter to enjoy and then share with your satellite sisters and misters. You can find sign-up links all over the place, on our social media, on our website, on our Facebook, on our Instagram. We would love to have you sign up for Pep Talk now. Thanks. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I live in Pasadena, California. I'm the youngest of the sisters, and I always say that because it's always true. (laughs) (laughs) It will always be true, Leanne. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California. I am the middle sister. I I am a marketer and a podcaster and... FYI, I busted out my puffy jacket for the first time today, sisters, girls. It plunged into the low 60s here. So wearing the puffy jacket for the dog walk. First of the season. Whoa, Whoa, Liz. I don't know if I can handle it. This is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm an empty nester. I'm an urban nana or suburban nana. Uh, Very busy with my grandchildren. And Yes, we're having a cold front here, Liz, too, as well. So puffy jackets all around this morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually enjoy it. Yeah, I put on my Ugg boots today for the first time. So that it's official. I mean, it's, it's dipped into the you 60s here. Californians are ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I know. It's ridiculous. I see so much snow, like our people in Minnesota posting mm-hmm. their snowy photos. We're thinking of you, Minnesota, when we put on our Ugg boots and our puffy jackets. (laughs) All right. We have a full show today. We're wrapping up Locktober. We hope it's been helpful to you. I feel like it's been helpful to me personally. (laughs) I know last week I wasn't here, but I went right out and I got some cherries and some chamomile tea and I'm dumping vinegar in my bath. And I feel like you guys did a fantastic job last week with Dr. Leslie Korn on nutrition and self-care. So today we're actually talking about um, what this author calls life's fundamental bond, and that is friendship. We're excited to talk to Lydia Denworth today about preserving our friendships during this time of the pandemic, because we just can't see people anymore. So now what's supposed to happen with our friends? Yeah. Uh, But she's a a fantastic journalist who her book Friendship came out earlier in 2020, and I'm going to tell you about it later. But it looks at friendship from an evolutionary and biological perspective, as well as sort of some pop psychology. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Julie, you have a tribute to, well, just something and someone special. It's it's a pop culture icon of the 70s and 80s, uh, Liz and Leon, and I have a special send off. For this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Liz, this is a big day for you because cooking with Liz announcing your holiday season. Yes. Yes. I'm going to announce the lineup, Leon. It's exciting. Special four week mini season uh, for the holidays. So yeah, coming up, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing and what you can do. It's going to be super exciting the month of November. All right. That's good. And then next week we have a very special show for you. We're going to tell you all about that. Uh, and Julie is going to help us host a virtual Thanksgiving. So fantastic, Jewel. Looking forward to that idea. Yeah. There's um, no, there's no cooking involved. Yep. It's we should, we should, Oh, yeah. Really? Well, oh. no, there's cooking involved, but the virtual part, there's no cooking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just more work for you to do on Thanksgiving is what I'm going to be telling you about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, But first, let's talk about the first upcoming holiday, which is Halloween. 
All right. Mm -hmm. I have been torturing myself for what to do about Halloween. If you are, you know, I don't want to say an old listener to the show, but a longtime listener to the show, you know that I'm dedicated to the Halloween holiday spirit, that I love giving out candy, that I dress up, that I create a whole witch's house at my house, that I have hundreds of kids that come uh, to my house to trick or treat. And it's one of the great joys of the year for me is handing out candy on Halloween. I just think. You love it and you do a paying up job. I love it. So I have been torturing myself about what to do with this year with Halloween in the time of COVID. And there have been lots of articles out there about here's how you create a candy tube or here's how you can do a socially distance Halloween. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, I don't know, put candy in the trunk of your car. I don't really understand that. The Halloween. No, no, you can't. Yeah. Those are out too. Yeah. Yeah. Trunk or treats. Those are pretty cute in some, some areas, Leanne. Those make sense. Yeah. I, I just didn't understand. I don't really understand how that works, but I thought, you know, I was working with the idea that if I got a big six foot table and I put it out and I spread the candy out and I stood back and I supervised the candy, that that would be good enough. Like that the Mm -hmm. kids coming to my door are probably the kids that needed to get out and get dressed up the most. You know what I mean? Kids that we get a lot of kids that are not from our neighborhood. They come on big church buses or they come with their parents after work. It's a nice, safe place to trick or treat because we have sidewalks and lights. So uh, I thought, well, these are probably the kids that have really been cooped up in an apartment and stuff. And I'd like to give them a fun night. But then I got an email this weekend from our health department. And it put the Halloween trick-or-treating in perspective for me. And this is what it said. It was, they were not mincing words, the Pasadena Health Department. Door-to-door or car-to-car trick-or-treating is not recommended because it can be very difficult to maintain proper social distancing on porches, at front doors, and in front of cars. And to ensure that everyone is answering or coming to the door is appropriately masked. In addition, sharing food is risky. Please don't distribute candy. Pull the shades, turn off the porch lights, and help us keep our numbers low. We want these kids to be able to go back to school. Oh, that's oh. the key. There's the kicker. There's that the seems kicker. like a good idea. Well, I, I can the see the social distancing part. Because, you know, if you have a cute little pirate or fairy come up to your door, you just, you want to talk to them, right? The cute little kids. I know. So, so and, that and is it's hard. candy. Yeah. You know, it's candy. Kids can't really control. I mean, I've seen them. I, I my- mean, they love candy. They like they it. I know. It. I know. Uh, so that's, that's, when it, yeah. When it put it in that perspective, like is trick or treating more important than getting these kids back to school? Absolutely. No, no they have to go back to school. The school situation right. is so right. serious. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah. so that's the city council, the health department said doing that requires everyone's cooperation because we are all in this together. So I was like, okay, health department, I get it. I'm not, I did some light decorating, but I am turning off the porch lights, pulling the shades, keeping the numbers low. I am not distributing candy this year. So that's, that's my plan. So okay. I wanted to declare that. So Julie, what are your grandkids doing? That's, I mean, Dallas is the same way that they have canceled. Um, they've canceled Halloween. You know, they just are really encouraging people not to go out trick or t- treating. Uh, my great, you know, and this, I was babysitting my grandchildren this past weekend. It's the weekend before Halloween where a year ago there was just a flurry of activity as they were working on their costumes and getting ready. And there's none of that, you know, Uh, I'm still giving, as I mentioned on a previous podcast, they're each getting a big bag of candy from Nana because I, (laughs) because I feel they got gypped and I feel this is, you know, it's been a long, hard year for them. And this is right. a that is for kids, you know, is for ki- mainly for kids. And it's, you know, it's the right thing to do, but it is a pity. So I think if you have little ones in your life, um, get them a nice big bag of candy. Okay. <laughs> and I know the health department, they, pro- they probably don't endorse big bags of candy on any day. <laughs> But I don't care. I think you can. I think you can overrule the health department on that one item because uh, uh, it would be nice, even in your small pod, if if little ones can put on their costumes and get a giant bag of candy. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Totally That's agree. It. Okay. 
Well, I'm going to shift gears here. I know we are all in this together, but I'm going to shift gears to people who uh, just do not believe that at all. Do not believe we are all in this together. Uh, my subtitle for this story is Terrible People Behaving Terribly. Oh, and, sounds yes, uplifting. It sounds it's, uplifting. Wow, that's really peppy, Liz. Thanks. It is surprisingly Thanks. uplifting, sure. sisters, because you're going to make a ruling at the end. You're going to get to decide... Oh, okay. Well, is this so funny that it's okay now? That's sort of my thing as I was reading the story. So, you know, uh, every neighborhood has neighborly disputes and Southern California is full of a lot of super fancy neighborhoods that have super fancy disputes. So here's what's going on here. This is happening in Laguna Beach, California. So this is a dispute between Bond King Bill Gross and his next door neighbor, who I believe is some kind of data king. And it's over because they're all kings, right? On the beach in Laguna Beach. And it's over a million dollar outdoor sculpture that has devolved into a giant fight. So details. Uh, Bill Gross and his wife installed a million dollar Dale Chihuly sculpture in their yard and oh, you know very so, popular very yes. popular right yeah. so he's the artist who's you know blown glass work is super famous like it's the ceiling of the bellagio hotel lobby in las vegas so this is an only slightly smaller version of that <laughs> that is now it <laughs> in, in his yard in Lagoon. It's swimming marlins and blue and, you know, it's 10 feet tall and all of that. And at first, Julie, at first, the lawn sculpture was installed. It is 2019. It didn't appear. That didn't cause any trouble because the neighbors um, were now, you know, they obviously 10 feet tall. They could see it from their home. Um, but it was not an eyesore. It was Dale Chihuly's sculpture. Well, then apparently the sculpture uh, was damaged allegedly $50,000 damage by someone who apparently threw a rock at it. We oh, don't know. Oh. We, okay. We don't know who did that sisters this, but this began what is called in the legal documents, uh, an escalating campaign of vandalism, which again, I should not be laughing, but no. I am just because <laughs> terrible people behaving terribly. Uh, so then it escalated into a, um, Another piece of major damage. Now it's $100,000 worth of damage. And the legal documents say this was caused simply by trees and mother nature. So the uh, so Bill Gross and his wife said that a palm frond had caused $100,000 worth of damage. Which, okay, I, I think that's a perfectly good reason not to have a million-dollar glass sculpture outside in your yard, <laughs> like at the beach, where palm fronds, come on, they're constantly falling from the sky. Whatever. <laughs> so then the way the grosses decide to remedy this is they repaired the sculpture, and then they put up a giant netting and lighting thing so that nothing could fall from the sky and hit the sculpture or a blow in from the side. There's a lot of stuff blowing around in Laguna Beach. So, mm -hmm. so it's now this giant, beautiful sculpture now covered with this netting. So now, now, sisters, this is when the neighbors are like, okay, wait, no. Because now it's blocking like their view of the beach. Again, the million dollar view. Now they're looking at a giant netting. It's just really ugly. And, you know, in the paper, they actually had, pictures of what it looked like from the neighbor's um, living room. And it was not delightful. I can say that. So that's so what it's things... like. A, it was like a driving range. Yes. That's what it looked like. Exactly. Okay. Like if you yeah. had, a, if you had a golf driving range yeah. right next door, like just on the other side of your pool, yeah. there was a driving range. Yeah. Uh, that's what it would look like. So oh, then, yeah. okay. Then things started to escalate. There were lawsuits back and forth. Uh, one of the legal documents, the neighbor's names were Tofik. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's the way I'm going to say it. In one document, which the grosses filed against the Tofiks, they said defendant Tofik appears to have a particular fascination, not only with Mr. Gross, but also Ms. Schwartz, his girlfriend slash wife, when the pair are swimming and thus wearing minimal, if any, clothing. So now they're accusing the neighbors of just being... Peeping, peeping toms. toms. Yes. 
Nice. <laughs> so this it's is good that they're, they're just getting it all out, Liz. They are right? mostly we're some issues between these neighbors, wow. you know, and yeah. they really need to just talk about it, right? Or, <laughs> and as I start to read through, um, read through the story, it really there are a lot of details I will put in the show notes, but it just seems like these people are equally bad, or at least in my mind, they were they were equally bad. In fact, this. Uh, Bill Gross' character actually has a history of this. He had what's described as an acrimonious divorce from his second wife, again, over a Laguna Beach home, where one of the things he did, because he had to give the Laguna Beach home to her, I guess as part of the divorce settlement, he, um, quote, infused it with puke and fart smells dispensed oh, from spray bottles stop oh yes. gosh and he <laughs> he admitted in a financial times interview that he did that and he just he doesn't understand why he did it but he said the strain of the divorce had gotten very ugly so again these are ugly people doing ugly things terrible people doing terrible things okay but now we get to we get like to the funny I, part at some <laughs> point because so far nothing's funny. okay so the final <laughs> thing about these terrible the back uh, like legally is is when uh the grosses started blasting at all hours of day and night the theme song to gilligan's island (laughs) no that's a nice creative touch you know that's that's very they really thought about that liz (laughs) it's not random that they picked no song i was trying to think like why would you pick that like what what is the thought process going on there so even though i was willing to rule against bill gross the fact that he picked gilligan's island theme song actually i thought okay well that's clever now because that's because can you really go into court and just complain about the gilligan's island theme song but (laughs) It seems, but then it did again, countersuit, countersuit, countersuit. This is when the Tofix next door said they had to move out of their home because the incessant playing of the Gilligan's Island theme song was uh, causing emotional distress. So they had to move into a hotel and stay with friends. So, okay. So this is where I want a ruling. Like, do we, is there something so clever about the Gilligan's Island theme song that we're tempted to let Bill Gross off the hook here? Or is he just, in fact, a person who has always been a terrible person doing terrible things, and now he just continues to do terrible things? Is this slightly more clever? What, how would you rule in this, sisters? Julie? Oh, the, I, uh, no, I'm not with Bill Gross. No, no. no this is out, out of control. You know, yeah, it's, it's just, childish. and it's a waste of money. Yeah. It's a waste of court time. Right. It is, you know, when you yeah. think about all the legal that he's using, you know, that th- those could be dollars, you know, helping somebody else. I mean, okay, it, well, that's taking despic- all the fun out of it. You're well, right. I am, Liz. You brought this up. It's despicable. despicable. Okay. All right. One, la- yeah. one last funny detail. Leon, do you have a ruling? No, I have to agree 100% yeah. with Jill. Yeah. I, I think I mean, that's like super childish. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's okay. Annoying. Here's the most childish detail that I, I will leave you with. So uh, one of the things the grosses said is that they're only even in that home five months a year. Or so quit complaining about the sculpture and the netting and the blasting of the music. But then it was revealed in court that they were blasting the music even when they weren't there, quote, apparently controlling their sound system re- remotely. So. <laughs> Okay. How uh, terrible a person do you have to be to be like, uh, like on the other side of the country, but still trying to torment your neighbors? Yeah. So yeah, okay, a very terrible person. Yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I thought some of the details were, you know, uh, just delightful in a very dark kind of way. There you go. That's it. Terrible okay. people. We all agree. Okay, there's some agreement there. Well, you know, I have some more sad news. If it's bad enough that Halloween is pretty much canceled. How about this? Coca-Cola is canning tab. Mm. Tab soda, it's going away at the end of the year. Yep, it's over. It's over for 
that pop culture icon of the 70s and 80s, it's it will be no more. And apparently Coca-Cola is doing some restructuring, revamping. And why are they getting rid of Tab, Liz, as a marketing guru genius that you are? Mm-hmm. I would like you to um, translate what this means. A Coca-Cola sp- spokesperson said they are getting rid of Tab because it's about meeting consumers where they need us to meet them. <laughs> what does that mean, Liz? Nobody is buying it, I think is what that means, Julie. I think it means Tab pretty much died the moment they introduced Diet Coke. Which, I think, I think which that does is the same thing but tastes better. That would be my read on that. Okay, well, you know, Leon, you started off the show uh, emphasizing that you're the youngest sister. So uh, I am just going to explain to you why TAB is so important. It was <laughs> launched in 1963, and it was the first diet soda. They didn't have diet soda before then, okay? And here's the other thing, sister. It was sweetened with saccharin, okay? <laughs> yes. So yes. it had a terrible metallic taste. Would you agree, Liz? <laughs> yes. It, was, it tasted terrible. It was terrible. But for girls, for women of a certain age, we loved it because it was our drink. It was a soda just for us. I am, I am not a soda drinker anymore, but... I mean, it was very empowering to have a tab and to do that. I, I mean, it made you feel really grown up, right, Liz, to have <laughs> a diet soda, right? And Leah, yes, and it was, and the can is kind of pink, right? Yes, it, it, it was yeah. a nice. It had a lovely sort of rosy cranberry color to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Leah, you are not going to believe this. This is really funny. We really thought that if we drank tab, we would lose weight. (laughs) Can you believe that? It was worth a try. Coca-Cola thought it was worth a try. I mean, and we, you know, you would constantly order a big pizza and a tab because that was the counterbalancing weight there, you know, but it was our drink and uh, it really helped a lot of young girls uh, along the way. And, I'm sad about your departure. All kinds of eating disorders. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I know. I know. But um, uh, so, uh, so adios to Tab. That's what I have to say. Mm. Ah, Julie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss there. I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, I do remember Tab, but it was really an illicit drink for me because I was quite young when it was a big deal. So, uh, so I remember mom wouldn't let me have it. Like you had to be like 15 to drink Tab. You know, she had that kind of crazy crazy rolling so um well i'm sure people are stockpiling it i'm sure there are a few loyal tab drinkers absolutely absolutely yeah all right well very very thoughtful uh very thoughtful (laughs) tribute to tab julie uh my condolences on your loss all right when we come back we're going to be talking about friendship with lydia denworth she's a journalist and her latest book is called friendship the evolution biology and extraordinary power of life's fundamental bond it's kind of interesting she takes a look at this from you know an evolution and biological standpoint people used to just think oh friendship that's kind of a nice byproduct of you know human society but it really wasn't until the 80s that they actually started studying the health and mental wellness benefits of friendship and they've discovered that friendship is important as like eating and breathing, basically, in terms of keeping you healthy currently and as you age. So we're going to be talking uh, to Lydia Denworth about friendship in the time of the pandemic. Are there things we should be doing or shouldn't be doing or what's up right now with friendship? So stay with us. But first, we want to thank a couple of sponsors of Satellite Sisters. Hi, all. It's Leanne Dolan from Satellite Sisters. And you know what my definition of self-care is? Any product from OseaMalibu.com. That's right. We love the beautiful body care products at OseaMalibu.com. And we love that they've supported Satellite Sisters for a long time. That's how it works. The sponsors support us. You support the sponsors. We continue to produce Satellite Sisters content for you. And you know what? We do it with really great looking skin. This is the year of Andaria Algae Body Butter. If you have not tried this amazing product yet, 
2024 is your year because Andaria Algae Body Butter is Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable product. It makes a glowing choice for achieving your new year body care and self-care goals. I got to tell you, you put this stuff on. First of all, we've said it before, you want to eat it. Secondly, you put it on, it makes your skin feel so smooth and hydrated and that lasts for days. You know, have you ever had a beauty product that kind of fades out and an hour later you're like, what happened there? Not the case with the famous Andaria Algae Body Butter. It's not your typical body butter and that's why it works better. It's made with ingredients that's normally reserved for your face like the Andaria seaweed and the ceramides and it can transform your dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft and supple. So make it happen in 2024. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Mosia. Right now, we have a special discount just for our satellite sisters and misters. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. You get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. We're back. Leanne here. This is our last segment for Locktober, our special month on interviews with experts on how to get you through this lockdown and keep you up and keep you moving forward. And today we wanted to talk about friendship because that's a topic we love here at Satellite Sisters. We wrote a book on it, but not the book on it. That's why we're bringing in Lydia Denworth. She's a contributing editor for Scientific America, and she writes the Brainwaves blog for Psychology Today. Her work has appeared in The Atlantic, Newsweek, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal. She's written three books of popular science, and her latest, which came out in the beginning of 2020, is called Friendship, The Evolution, Biology, and Extraordinary Power of Life's fundamental bond. Hi, Lydia. Welcome to Satellite Sisters. Hi, it's great to be with you. You know, you've written uh, three books. What got you interested in the topic of friendship for your latest book? What made you think, hmm, I'd like to take a look at that? (laughs) Well, you know, who doesn't like to think about friendship, first of all? I mean, if you're going to spend a couple of years working on a book, it needs to be something that is going to keep you interested. So I'm at a point in my life where my kids are growing up and out and I'm losing my parents. And I was a little bit, you know, I was thinking about how life was changing and how I needed sort of to make sure that my friendship house was in order. (laughs) But it's also true that as a science writer, my job is to, well, it used to be to go to conferences in person and (laughs) listen to scientists. (laughs) I don't get to do that anymore. But I listen to scientists when they talk about what they're interested in. I listen when they talk to each other. And I was really struck about five years ago that, that there was more and more conversation at neuroscience meetings about the brain, about friendship. And that wasn't really what I expected. And I began to realize that there was a part of friendship this biology and evolution, the evolutionary story of it, that we really don't appreciate. And I thought that was interesting. And if I wasn't aware of it, then I figured that other people might not be either. And so here we are. Well, you wrote in your book that uh, the really that prior to the 1980s, you know, friendship was just kind of seen as a pleasant byproduct of society, but that the research over the last, you know, 40 years has proved that friendship and physical and mental well-being go hand in hand. Can you explain just a little bit about what you've learned about that connection? I know it's the topic of your entire book. Um, <laughs> That's right. Simple. Nope. I've got the elevator pitch. I, I can yeah. do it. Um, it's yes, you're right. So So we've always known, I mean, famously, Aristotle and even Socrates talked about how pleasurable friendship was, but we thought it was cultural. And in the in recent decades, and it started in the 80s, but it and but it's really picked in the last 20 years, we have learned two really important things. One is that friendship is as important for your health as diet and exercise. And the other is that there is an evolutionary story here and that friendship, there's an evolutionary advantage to being good at making and maintaining friends. And so survival of the fittest has really been more like a survival of the friendliest. Oh, <laughs> oh that's amazing. That How was that amazing. for my elevator pitch? <laughs> 
We are definitely stealing parts of that. Yeah. yeah. Even in your article where it says friendship is as important to your health as diet and exercise. I like underlined that, circled that, Lydia. Like that is very good news because that's something that I think I'm good at as opposed to say diet and exercise. Which, you know, shake, definitely shake you. No, this is this is the really important thing here. Now, okay, some people some people fight back and I'm going to say, of course it's true that you have to eat and drink water and things like that, you know, on a very short-term basis or it will affect your health. Friendship has a longer effect. It's more long and and of course loneliness, the flip side of friendship is also part of this um that isn't good for us. Uh but but it turns out that yes, we have this biological uh, response to psychological things, including the rewards of friendship or the pain of loneliness. And it can do all kinds of, re- it can wreak havoc in our bodies. And so I just felt though that understanding this and how important this is for your health is really great news, as you say, because it basically gives us permission to hang out with our girlfriends and call it health. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, Julie, I think you've been spreading what you thought was sort of bogus scientific information in many of your friendship speeches about how friends are actually more important than spouses in terms of long-term health. But Lydia, your book also says that, right? Right. Isn't the best thing that, uh, uh, you know, a man can do for uh, for his health is to be married to a woman. Whereas uh, for a woman, the best thing that she can do for her health is to have good friends. Is that correct? I hope so, because I have been saying that. (laughs) (laughs) It is, is, to be fair, the the marriage relationship is a very important one for both men and women. But yes, it is very true that women uh, have much healthier marriages if they have good friends, um, and that even if they have unhappy marriages, they can be pretty happy in life if they have good friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, And if you are not married your friends really can take the role of a spouse or a significant other or of, of close family. Um, you can, so what really matters is the quality of the relationship and those quality relationships are the ones that are going to have the most bang for your buck health wise. Got it. Okay. Julie, can you, did you write that down to it? I got it all down. I mean, I think I I was correct. And Lydia just explained it in a much more correct way than I did, but, (laughs) but it was the same point. Yes. Same idea. All right. So we're here though, to talk about how this pandemic, this sort of what you called a shared global moment has really illuminated uh, how significant friends are in day-to-day happiness. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean, so this has been an interesting year for all of us, but for me personally, what's happened is that here I came out with this book in January when the coronavirus was a thing, but not really a thing here, right? We were watching it from afar and thinking, oh, lucky us, that's not here. (laughs) Um, And uh, foolishly, right? And so I thought my job when this book came out was to explain to people to get them or to convince them, I guess, of how important friendship was and to tell them that they needed to prioritize it. And then, bam, the pandemic came, the shutdown came, and all anyone could think about was suddenly how much they missed their friends. Right. <laughs> and so, in a way, the world helped me by showing us that we what we were taking for granted cannot be taken for granted, that it is this vital part of our lives and that we get so much sustenance uh, from it. And so it's, um, I feel that if if there is a silver lining to the pandemic, it, it might be that at least it has helped us to appreciate what matters. Um, and it's also been a reminder of all the different ways you can connect. Of course, it is wonderful to be with people in person, but it is entirely possible to show up from afar and it is possible to be a good friend from afar. And and in fact, crises like this is when we need our friends most. That is really what it is for, friendship. Do you think there are any age groups right now that are faring better than others in terms of managing and using friendships to stay healthy? Um... Well, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, I think, because personality has a lot to do with it, too. Obviously, um, on some levels, so adults, I notice anyway in my own life that, you know, I've lived a lot longer than my kids, right? And so for me, as hard as this is, this is, um, this is something 
I've been through hard things before and it's, and it's a, a year or two of my life. Um, but I've had more than 50 years on this earth. So, you know, relatively speaking, it's, it's, I like to remind myself that it's, it's just a little slice. Whereas if you're a 10 year old and you're out of commission for a year or two, that's, you know, a big oh, chunk of your life. Right. Um, right. So there's that in terms of the enormity of, of how long it goes on. But on the other hand, young people who are such natives to technology and social media and communicating in that way probably have an advantage over some of us older folks who, um, who although many of us are very um, fluent with media, it, you know, it, it was not, we, I, we didn't go in and out of it as, as much as they did. So um, I think that that's been interesting. I also, speaking of age groups, I, well, so I, I do think I will say that I think that the oldest adults who are the least technologically savvy are probably uh, suffering more and are also at higher risk from this virus and so have had more reason to really be extra, extra careful. So if I had to pick a group, I'd say that that was probably, they're probably having the hardest time. Mm-hmm. You know, Lydia, one thing I'm thinking about a lot, it's Liz, is that, and, and you wrote about this too, that, what you know, one of the roles of friendship in your life is that with your friends, you know what's going on in each other's lives and you respond, you reciprocate, and that's sort of key to to the relationship. And because we're not physically together, I think that's, it's harder to really know what's going on in people's lives. You know, it's harder. I, I find that I have to, if that's what I want to do, I, I need to ask more directly about things. And I also need to volunteer more stuff about me when I'm, even when I'm talking to my friends on the phone or something, because if we were together for an evening, like hanging out, they would sense things and feel things that they probably can't on the phone or even on zoom. And I assume I'm not alone. And it's the reciprocation that becomes more challenging when we are not physically together. It definitely can be. And you're, you're right, though, that I, I'm glad to hear that you are making the effort and that you're being more explicit about it. Sometimes we have to do things in this moment to sustain our friendships that, that don't come naturally, but, but actually are part of what we're, we're sort of taking pieces of friendship and we're transferring them to other forms of technology. Right. But we, but what you're doing is catching up on each other's lives. And when you ask someone to tell you what's going on with them, that is you showing that you have time and, and desire to listen, right. And to hang and to find out. And then also share sharing your emotions and how you feel about things is of course, a major piece of friendship. It's one of the things that brings people close together is when we feel comfortable talking about how we feel. Um, and, but it's, so while it might not always feel natural, it is really important that we try to keep it up. Um, I, one thing people are saying and, and noticing, I, I notice in my own life is that our social circles are getting smaller right now because yes. they're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but, I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. I feel like I'm just too exhausted to go into everything with everybody. Yeah. So will, will yeah. I pay for it at the other end, Lydia, Am I emerge <laughs> with no friends of the friendless? What's happening? Uh, oh, I, well, I hope you will not. I don't think so. I think that it is very normal that, that things have gotten narrower and, Um, And that it's okay, because as I said at the, uh, you know, earlier, quality is the most important thing. And and you really only need a handful. In fact, in all the science about the effect of friends on our health and our longevity, um, I didn't specify, by the way, that you actually live longer if you have more friends. Um, So, you know, that's an important (laughs) health benefit. right? (laughs) Um, So health and longevity. But what the biggest step change is between zero and one, meaning that if you have zero friends, you're really in trouble. If you have one, you're so much better off than you than if you have zero. And the difference between one and two or one and five is less dramatic. So that is a reminder to us that in this time we should do you know, we, we should cultivate the the handful of friends that it's easiest for us to communicate with who make us feel the best in this moment, who are serving what we need. I mean, one of the things people are finding is that different people are responding to this, you know, in well, people respond in various ways. And some of us are sort of in tune, uh, you know, with our friends and how they're feeling and, and others are 
finding not so much that uh, I'm even hearing about some people sort of losing friends, not just like a narrowing because you didn't spend time together, but a narrowing because you suddenly say, gosh, I don't like how that person is behaving in this moment. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, that's unfortunate, but what really does matter is those handful of good people that you feel really supported by and that you support in turn. That, that give and take is really critical. It shouldn't be too lopsided. That's, it's good to know this isn't a numbers game, Lydia, that, yeah, just having a few close friends. No, that's good. That's yeah, quality, not quantity. Yes. I mean, quantity matters. It's not that it's unimportant. It has a lot of, but given in this moment, we should focus on the fact that quality is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Well, one of your recent articles just sort of struck me because um, we had a nutritionist on last week as part of Locktober and, uh, and mm -hmm. Liz. Liz was asking her about cravings, like why she's having all these crazy cravings during COVID. And then I noticed on your blog that you've recently written about how social distancing triggers brain cravings for contact akin to hunger. Could you Ooh. just explain those two connections? Because like, it's yes, bad enough so... we just want chocolate in the middle of the night. So to be clear, it's loneliness that, okay. that triggers it. So not just social distancing or even social. If you are alone, but you are happy about it or you're okay with it, um, then, then it's not the same thing. Loneliness, what psychologists understand about loneliness now is that it is it is a subjective feeling. It's a, it's a mismatch between the amount of social connection you have and the amount that you want. Not too surprisingly, a lot of people are feeling kind of lonely right now because most of us want more than what we have. But, um, but if you're getting it from those handful of people that we were talking about, then, then you should be okay. But where the cravings come in is that we've begun to understand that loneliness is it is a biological warning signal, just like mm. hunger and thirst. And it is your body telling you that you should go out and connect. Um, and a little bit of loneliness is a good thing, just like hunger reminds you to eat uh, and keeps, you know, tells you that your body needs this. The problem is that a lot of loneliness becomes debilitating and, and your brain starts to feel almost threatened, actually, or not almost, it does feel threatened. It's a threat to your survival. I mean, this is why, has, you know, since, since ancient times, there were never humans really on their own. You know, they were always in groups. And there is a real reason. That is why I said we, we've evolved to be friendly and social and to live in groups. And so your brain feels threatened. And, and it turns out it's, this has all been a theory and a pretty um, well-respected and, and, and theory over the last couple of decades. But what happened this year and that story, this is an amazing piece of scientific timing. These neuroscientists at um, MIT had done this work for the last few years where they were comparing what, what hunger and loneliness look like deep in the brain. And that the first, uh, a kind of preliminary report came out in March, I guess it was, <laughs> right, as we all wow. went into social isolation. Um, and what they saw is that hunger and loneliness deep in the brain look the same. And so it was the first real proof, uh, you know, first re real sort of brain scanning evidence that this theory was true. Wow. That makes total sense. Yeah. It does. So, and let, let me just, just to clarify one other thing, I just want to say, yeah. so if loneliness is the subjective feeling of, of this mismatch, then um, social isolation is usually defined as the objective sense of being alone. So it's a counting of the number of people you interact with or how big your social network is. So just because people get confused. So I think it's important to clarify. All right. Okay, thank you. So as we're moving forward, it's October, so we're trying to leave our Satellite Sisters listeners with some positive, actionable advice. And I know as a science journalist, that's not really your bailiwick, but could you give us some positive, actionable advice? <laughs> I will be happy to. So here's what I'm going to say. However you connect with your friends, and if you're sick of Zoom calls, that's fine. Just pick up the phone or start a text thread, share jokes, things like that. It doesn't matter how you do it. What you need to do is remember that the, the 
biologists developed a definition of friendship that's that it's long lasting and stable, that it's positive, so it makes you feel good, and that it's cooperative and reciprocal. And if when you interact with your friends, you're hitting those three points or you're filling those buckets, then you're good. <laughs> Make people feel good, be a steady presence in their lives, and be helpful and reciprocate. And if you do those things, we're all going to come through this okay. And then we can hug each other and go out to dinner and do all that good stuff. <laughs> all right. That's so that Thank you. Way to wrap it up. Well, all right. Well, very positive very, and easy. We can do this. We can do this. It's good for our health. Call your friend. Pick up the phone and call your friend. Call your satellite sister. We, Call your we, liter sister. we literally say that at the end of every show, Lydia, and now we have scientific proof. So we're so <laughs> glad that you came on the show. Thanks, Thank you Lydia. So Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thanks a lot, Lydia. Bye-bye. All right. Lydia's book is called uh, Friendship, is what her book is called, The Evolution, Biology, and Extraordinary Power of Life's Fundamental Bond. But we'll have a link to her website at, at the show notes because she does a lot of other great writing. I mean, fascinating stuff on her website. I spent hours on there uh, this weekend preparing for this interview. But um, so, OK, what did you guys take away from that? Feel good okay, about it? Feel, that I feel do like feel you're doing yes. Enough with Science is real, Leanne. We're doing the right things. <laughs> Making friends, right? Yes, and it's definitely scientific proof for what we've already been saying for 20 years. So that's a relief, right? Right, <laughs> right. We're glad we're not leading, leading people down the wrong path in any way. Right. Yeah. That's right. Our sense of connection is what gives meaning to our lives. And, and Lydia certainly backed that up. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important as you go into the holidays, it's going to be tricky, but just to stay connecting, you know, the texting, the whatever you need to send, yeah. call, send cards, send postcards, you know, get out those holiday cards. If you've been thinking about it, it may mean more this year than ever. So, yeah. uh, so big thanks to Lydia Denworth for being here. That wraps Locktober, but we have a lot more coming up on Satellite Sisters in November and December. So stay with us. First, we have to thank a couple of sponsors. Leon and Julie here from Satellite Sisters, and we want to thank our friend Jenny Kane. Hi, Jenny. We love <laughs> Jenny Kane. We know you know it's a California brand through and through, and we love their staples because it makes getting dressed so easy. Minimalist, effortless, but totally refined. And hello, Julie Dolan, that's kind of you. Minimalist, effortless, and totally refined. What have you been wearing from Jenny Kane this week? Leon, I love the cocoon cardigan. It's perfect for the Hot again, cold again, weather we're having, you know, this is sweater weather. And you can just pop on that cardigan. And even if you're wearing something schlumpy underneath, all of a sudden you look elevated and you're ready to go. You look minimalist, effortless, and totally refined when you wear the cocoon cardigan. Yes, I do, Leanne. Uh, I get compliments on it, too, because it's just the perfect thing to put on. Well, that's why we love Jenny Kane, is that everything is beautifully designed and really flatters the wearer. So we want to encourage you to check out everything over at JennyKane.com. You're going to find your new uniform. What is it that you want to put on that just perks up your, your presentation? Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off their first order when they use code SISTERS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at JennyKane.com. And Jenny Kane is spelled J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E. JennyKane.com, promo code SISTERS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Thanks, Jenny. All right, we are back. Uh, now, we have a couple of things coming up. I mean, we're not we're not giving up in November and December. Just because no. October is, is <laughs> wrapping up, that doesn't mean we're just coasting till the end of the year. I we think we're re-energized, Lee, and I think October was so successful that November and December are going to be boffo here at Satellite Sisters. All right. Well, for next week's show, there's a little thing called Election Day happening in the United States, uh, but we have decided to call it Listener Appreciation Day. In fact, we're creating a whole week, a Listener Appreciation Week, for the great listeners of Satellite Sisters. You, the Satellite Sisters and Misters, this week is for you. Uh, so our podcast next Tuesday is actually featuring interviews with longtime Satellite Sisters listeners. And I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be great. 
I'm really, really looking forward to it because it's something we've never done. You know, right. we just we do all the talking and people write us messages and we love that it's such a big community. So uh, let's get a few of those voices on the air. That's what we that's, decided. Listener appreciation. We're into it. Yeah, right. this is and really a special thank you to all of our listeners. So uh, there'll be some surprises, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're doing some special polls on the Facebook group. So if you haven't joined joined the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, this would be the week to do it. We're going to be asking you some special questions, and then we'll report back on the show, some polls. And we're even, I mean, I just have in my notes, special offers. So that <laughs> with an exclamation point, too. I think it's a question mark. I think I got assigned those special offers, and I'm working on those right now. We're, sure. Tuesday, we are going to have some special offers. So next week we'll have the podcast coming out on Tuesday as usual. And then what you'll see is the interviews. You'll hear pieces of the interviews with the four listeners. Uh, And then what you'll see over the next week, we're going to be rolling out the complete listener interviews on Facebook. Uh, So we videotape them. We're going to use some audio highlights in the podcast, but you'll see over the course of the week, four complete uh, listener interviews. And that is very exciting. And then of course, all these other special things we're doing. So that's it. Listener appreciation week next week. It's going to be super special. Okay. But first I have a seasonal announcement too. Um, back by popular demand. It's (laughs) cooking with Liz. (laughs) Yeah. So I I know there, a lot of people have been posting in the Facebook group. When are you coming back? What are you going to do? And I was really looking for a concept, you know, rather than just random uh, recipes, like how could I elevate my game here? And it was Leanne, you suggested, well, why don't you just figure out how to make one decent holiday meal? (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) the emphasis was on decent. (laughs) So I have changed the word decent to delicious. I'm going to devote myself over the course of the month to one delicious holiday meal, which means first week in November, uh, November 7th and 8th, I'm going to do a starter. Then the next week, I'm going to do a main. And then the third week, I'm going to do a side dish. And the fourth week, actual desserts. But here's how it's going to work. The starter, Julie, you have decided what my starter should be. And you've already picked it, right? So what is it? Oh, it's stuffed mushrooms, Liz. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that will be delicious for the holiday season. Uh, And just seeing you uh, stuffing mushrooms is going to be well worth it. Yeah. So I gave you a couple of recipes to choose from, and Mm -hmm. I think you've made your selection, correct? Mm -hmm. It's it's the Martha Stewart recipe because it also looked easier, but just as tasty and smaller. So all of the recipes will get posted. You know, I'm, I'm still working on that. So, okay. So my starter is stuffed mushrooms. For my main, I really don't like like ham or turkey or the usual holiday mains. I never really cared for that. Really? So, yeah, no, not really. Um, so as long as I'm doing the choosing, the ultimate satellite mister, Ian Punnett, many of you know Ian Punnett. He had his own radio show there in Minneapolis for many years with his wife, Marjorie, and uh, he still is on national radio on Coast to Coast. Anyway, I talked to Ian. Ian's special. Ian is a really good cook. His specialty is Chateaubriand. So Ian, Ian Punnett is going to teach me how to make his family's, like he said, this is our ultimate like holiday special meal for the fam is the Briand. They just call it the Briand. So, um, so Ian Punnett will be my main man and he is going to teach me how to make Chateau Briand. It's going to be then, a lot of smoke in that <laughs> kitchen. That's all I can say. And it's then good thing you have that big window, Liz. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's a yeah, good I, thing to have someone talk you through your first Chateau Briand too, because it's, it's a, it's an expensive cut of meat. So you yeah. just, worry about it a lot okay yeah i don't even know what it is really i don't so (laughs) but but that's the point is the learning right the learning yeah um and then uh then the next week i'm doing um a side dish vegetable side dish lee and you get to pick the vegetable side dish i don't know if you've had time to think about it yet no hurry but you know this will be this will be picked by you i i have not made a decision but now that i know you're going see 
again, I think in my defense, I said not a decent holiday meal. I said a complete holiday meal. Oh, yes. And that's <laughs> so I that was no. Yes. I don't want to get backlash for <laughs> for. Okay. A, giving, complete holiday meal. a complete holiday meal was mm. my suggestion because that is that sort of that becomes the next test is that you can put things together. So now that yeah. I know you're doing stuffed mushrooms and Chateaubriand, which those two things go together very nicely, I'm going to come up with a side dish for you. Okay. I absolutely will. Okay. All right. I can't wait. And then for desserts. Okay. Here's what I decided to do with desserts. I'm going to make this into a Satellite Sisters contest, but here's the deal. There are some rules. I'm going to take suggestions from you, sisters and misters, and he, but here are the rules for what you get to propose, and you can post these in the Facebook group or in um, or Instagram. It needs to be something I can share, right? So no giant cakes or things because. I live alone. Nobody's coming over for this holiday meal. I don't want to be home alone with the giant chocolate cake, right? <laughs> so, but I just, it's just not worth it. But I'm willing to make things that then I could say drop off at friends' homes or deliver out my tasting window to my neighbors. So think about recipes for cookies or maybe small loaves or things in ramekins. Aren't there desserts that you can make in little ramekins? I don't know. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sir. Yes. Do you, have, do you have ramekins, Liz? No, but you know, it's a good excuse to get a uh, you know who on the blower. I can, I'm sure, with enough warning, I can get Crate and Barrel on the blower for some ramekins. And so here's the deal I'm going to pick the winner. This is not a random pick. I'm going to decide. I think that's a better way to say it. I'm going to decide which, which proposed recipe I want to make. I'm going to announce that on our Thanksgiving week show. So the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. You will know what I picked. And then that weekend, I will make the dessert live on the Saturday and the Sunday. All the times will be posted. And the winner, whoever I pick, you're going to get your choice of swag from the Satellite Sisters shop. But I'm suggesting one of our aprons, either the Satellite Sisters logo apron, the Peace and Sauce apron, or my favorite, the I'm an Eyeballer apron. Mm -hmm. So so that's the plan. Cooking with Liz, the holiday season is one complete delicious holiday meal. So there you go. It will and all you be want people to put photos on the Facebook group of oh, the, yeah. their d dessert suggestions. We'd yes. all like to see those. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking great. mini bouche de Noels. You know, those that would be nice and <laughs> oh, cool. Wow. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> no. Okay, I can tell you right now I would not pick that. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, my mind is open, you know, I, there could be some baking, you know, we always say none of us bake. Could this be the year? Could I be the first baker? Maybe, maybe we don't know. Uh, so there you go. So this will all be written out somewhere and then, uh, you'll, I'll create a thread in the Facebook group and you can put all your proposed recipes, entries for the dessert stage of the meal, uh, right there. So I'm very excited, sisters. I need to get back to work. I need to get back to my, uh, my kitchen. <laughs> well, it's, it's very exciting, Liz. And I actually was thinking a lot about cooking with Liz because I think it, it was in a strange way, an excellent tutorial for this article I saw which is how to host a virtual Thanksgiving. Okay, we've discussed today, Halloween is over, it's not happening. So you might as well springboard ahead to the next holiday. Springboard, um, yeah. Springboard, springboard ahead. Um, but, you know, we're probably not getting together for Thanksgiving, but you may want to get together virtually. And I'm not talking about a Zoom call, but I'm talking about sitting down at, at you know, to eat your meal with the Zoom open so that you're having a virtual Thanksgiving at the same time, oh. and, which I think is quite possible, but mm -hmm. you have to take your hosting seriously. You have to actually become a television producer, and that's what this article I read in mm -hmm. AAPR, AARP magazine said, <laughs> that you should think of this as you are hosting a television show. You should consider segments and you can should consider conversation points. I mean, I don't think there's anything worse than just having a screen open and having random relatives walking around. That's not going to be any good. So no. 
Really, you know, and then much the same way, Liz, you did this for cooking with Liz. Yeah. You learned about camera angles. You learned about lighting. You learned about, you know. Responding to the live comments. You got to be, you got to be in the chat. You got to figure out how to be in the chat. Right. So, um, so this article says you should have a detailed plan. Who gets to talk? How long? Remember, people, five minutes is a lifetime, okay, uh, when someone's talking, <laughs> right? So yeah. you want to keep things moving. They, um, uh, This article said, make sure that you have a steady camera. Now, Liz, you know you had a lot of times where you were trying to move the camera so that we could see what was cooking in the pot. Yes. And then back to you, walking around with a screen. Okay, let's just face it. That makes everyone nauseous, yeah. and you're trying to eat your Thanksgiving dinner, okay? Yeah. Liz, you believe in FabFitFun boxes, right? I do. Use yeah. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And here's yeah. the most important thing they said about these virtual Thanksgivings is you have to stage a run through that you have to get together with your other relatives and just let's see their camera angles. What are we going to be looking at? What are we going to be doing? Because then you can make it very nice. Wow. Wow. That's ambitious. Okay. Are we going to try this? (laughs) Yes, I think we, well, we're going to put Sheila in charge of it. She did a really good job on our family call before. She controlled the whole thing. There Uh was no extraneous talking. Everybody was on screen. Everyone had a chance to talk and it was delightful. So uh, that's what I'm thinking. Unless Leanne, because you produce our show, if you would like to take that on as um, a another project because you clearly have nothing to do right right i'm yeah i'm just lying around here but um i don't but i have two words for sheila talent show oh yes so i I, yeah i who wants to eat dinner with each other but yeah the after dinner dessert coffee talent show that's a nice package i think uh i think that's a big idea lian yeah And that's something that you would want. Remember, you can record these and you will yeah. have them in perpetuity. So having the talent show forever would be a lot more fun right. than just the, you know, dinner conversation for right. sure. Yeah. I like I talent show. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're in charge. Get to work. All right. Uh, Today, we're going to put all of our entertaining sisters recommendations in our pep talk newsletter. So we have some apps we want to recommend and TV shows and books. Uh, If you haven't signed up for pep talk yet, I would encourage you to do so. You can find uh, the sign up in our show notes and all of our social media. You can find it at our website when you go there. That's our new weekly newsletter. It comes to your inbox every Friday um, at exactly 4.35 a.m. Pacific time uh, is when I schedule it to send. And it's got a little weekly pep talk and all kinds of other um, tidbits and nibnabs and whatnots in it. So uh, I think that describes Nick, it. Knickknacks and paddywhacks, I yeah. think, is, covers it all. So we would love to have you subscribe to Pep Talk, or you could forward that on to your friends who might not listen to Satellite Sisters, but you've always wanted to share it with them. It's an easy thing to forward because there are links to the current podcast right there in Pep Talk. So it makes it super easy for your friends and family, Satellite Sisters and Misters, to listen to the latest show. Um, We would like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez, for engineering our show and making us sound great. Thank you, Sergio. And to all the Satellite Sisters and Misters that support our sponsors, thank you. It makes this possible for us to do this show and stay on the air, and we appreciate it. Um, All right, our to-do list for the week. Uh, So this weekend, Liz and Julie, I am finally doing the panel discussion at the Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop. I was supposed to... Okay, I want to hear more about this. Okay, good. So this was supposed to happen in March in Dayton, Ohio. Or in right. yeah, the end of March in Dayton, Ohio, as you know, that didn't happen, right? So um, so then it was rescheduled for Halloween weekend in Dayton, Ohio. But that's not happening either. So the whole writer's workshop is a virtual event this year. So you can still sign up for it. It's $199 and it's three days of programming with really great humor writers and comedy writers and sitcom writers and stand-ups. And if you're just looking for some fun distraction, that's a great price to sort of, you know, 
dip into some of these workshops, learn how to add a little humor into all of your writing, whether it's work writing or perhaps it's your family talent show and you want to work on your five minutes for Thanksgiving. So that that link will be in the show notes, but the, um, the panel I'm doing is how to find the funny in your family. So, uh, and I'm, and I'm, but I'm the moderator. So we, I have three other writers, um, Leanne Lord, uh, Tracy Beckerman and Bruce Ferber, who, uh, who did, wrote home improvement for years. Um, so they're actually going to be, uh, the panelists. So I'm oh, prepping that for that fun. and then doing that on Friday, but you can still sign up because it's virtual and it starts Thursday night, but, uh, registration still available. Okay. Julie, what do you, what's on your to-do list? I have declared this real shoe week. You have to wear <laughs> real shoes this week. So that includes Rothy's, but I am, I mean, before it gets too late, I'm putting on some high heels. I may scare the dog walking around the house, clap, clap, clap in my high heels, but I'm doing it. Real shoe week. Do you want to join me? Not no. in high heels. No. <laughs> <laughs> like if you don't put those on, no. you're never going to be able to put them on. I'm Boots. never, I... I'm comfortable with that. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, no, I'm just gonna. I'm going with the Leon. Leon mentioned the Uggs at the top of the show. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. Got it. Gonna no, find you those, put those. Put your feet in shoes. Real shoes. <laughs> Join me, people. <laughs> okay. All right, Liz. My do is uh, early voting. But here in LA, as I've mentioned, there are some star-studded spots where we can do our early voting. So I've decided I'm going to do my early voting. In the upper deck at Dodger Stadium, sisters. Isn't that fun? Like outdoor voting. And who knows what will happen with the Dodgers in the World Series. It will right. be even more fun if they win the World Series. But uh, I've only been to Dodger Stadium once in my whole life. I've only been to one game there. So I thought, okay, well, that would be fun. And I like the idea. The safety of being outside is great. So that some of our early voting locations are already open. But the, the next batch open on Saturday. So this opens on Saturday. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Upper deck, Dodger stadium, early voting. Can't wait. All right. Sounds good, Liz. That does sound fun. That sounds fun. I I think it will be fun. You know, the parking lot is completely full with COVID testing. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So you can make a, you can make a whole day of it, Liz. Good. (laughs) Really can, Julie. You really can. That would be the ultimate 2020 day voting and COVID testing all in one convenient spot. All right. All right, sisters. Have a great week. You too, too, Leah. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.